millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, before we start our show, I'm Richard. I'm Jim. And we're talking about iTunes because most people do listen to podcasts on iTunes. And it'd be great if you'd not only listen to us, but download the show because then you can take it with us even when you're out of a reception area and still listen. And also it helps our numbers. Thanks. We never want to be overinsured or underinsured. If you're overinsured, you're really just wasting money. It's so tough because it's dealing with risk. And none of us like to think about risk. What if we had a show about solutions? Not the same old left versus right. I am right, I'm right. and you are wrong. Boring. <laughs> yeah, something new. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. Yeah. How, How do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Jim, this show is on a tricky subject, insurance, which a, a lot of people make really expensive mistakes. Well, it's one of those things people kind of don't want to think about, don't want to talk about. And yet, if you're putting together a life plan, it's pretty important. Yeah, millions of people don't have coverage they really need, or they're simply paying too much for stuff that perhaps is not necessary. So our guest is Laura Adams. Laura is a personal finance expert and host of Money Girls Quick and Dirty Tips, a popular podcast that breaks down a lot of the life-changing money decisions and makes them pretty simple. It's a really good show. The shows are short, they're easy to listen to, and uh, I, I recommend them. Laura, welcome. Thank you for having me and for recommending the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I love being on them and creating them. <laughs> Laura's joining us via Skype from San Francisco. So, Laura, let's jump right in. What is the biggest misconception about insurance? Why is it such a tough subject for many people to uh, to face? It's so tough because it's dealing with risk, and none of us like to think about risk. We don't like to think that we could be involved in a lawsuit. We don't like to think that we could lose our income or, you know, the ultimate risk that we die. So these are all really tough topics, um, and I think that until we get comfortable with just really discussing them at a very young age, getting people comfortable with them, it's probably going to continue to be a difficult topic to get people to, to buy into. You, you know, Laura, I'm actually writing a book 
book right now about disasters and why it is that people so often are involved in big disasters, you know, things like the BP oil spill, they don't see them coming. And, and I think that's part that, that psychology of risk is part of it. We're used to the way things go in our lives day to day. And, um, we don't really expect it to change. You know, how do, is there a mental kind of transition people have to go through to think more rationally about the risks that they face? I think there is. You know, the the freight train that we see coming never hurts us. It's the one that we don't see coming that can hurt us. So it's all about thinking of, of the what if, what the what if in life, what's the worst case scenario. And we as consumers really just need to begin to think about, okay, what are, what can happen if I'm driving a car? What can happen if I lend my car to someone? You know, what will happen to my finances if I lose my job or become injured and I can't work? We really, it really is a mindset that you have to get into. And it's not something that we want to dwell on. The, the Really, the purpose of insurance is to think about these things up front, deal with them so that you don't have to worry about them and you don't have to obsess about them on a daily basis. Well, we kind of build this show as a millennial's guide to insurance. And there are different types of insurance. And we'll, we'll go through the various ones. I mean, there's, there's homeowners and renting insurance. There's life insurance. There's health insurance. There's car insurance. So which one do you want to start with first? Yeah, I think for most of us, auto insurance is, is you know, probably one that we're most familiar with. Most of the states out there require it. So, you know, we've all got to have coverage if we're driving a vehicle. I know one thing that you stress a lot is a kind of a hidden risk that people don't think about much is lawsuits, uh, liability. Yeah, liability is really the biggest financial threat that we all face. So this is the idea that perhaps you injure someone or maybe someone is injured while they're on your property or in your rental and you get into a lawsuit with them. So that could mean that they're suing you for medical bills or suffering or just a wide variety of, of issues. And why this is so important is because lawsuits, as you guys can imagine, could be millions of dollars depending on what happens to someone. So that could really bankrupt you if you are not prepared for it. So that's really a big part of not only auto insurance, but also renters and home insurance. Liability is kind of a, a part of those those packages of insurance that we purchase. What are a few of the mistakes that people make when they take out an auto insurance policy? Yeah, a big one is not thinking about it in terms of the other policies that you own. So what we, we call that in the industry is bundling. So let's say you've got a renter's insurance or condo or homeowners. If you can bundle that policy with the same provider, they're likely to give you a discount. And the reason is they want more of your business. So they're willing to give you a discount in order to get more policies with you. That's that's a big, uh, you know, real big problem that a lot of people don't think about. So the key there is to shop it both ways. Shop it as a bundle and then shop it separately and you get to pick the option that looks best to you. I know that one thing that people often make a mistake on is uh, the the deductible that they have. For instance, they could well afford to pay $1,000, painful, but they could afford to pay that if there's a, a damage to their car, and yet they have a much lower deductible, and as a result, their annual policy costs them a heck of a lot more than it would if they had a higher deductible. 
Yes. So think about deductibles and premiums like a seesaw. If you raise one, the other goes down. So if you raise your deductible, the premium goes down. And this is really important for saving money over the long term. Um, So what that means is raising your out-of-pocket deductible is going to save you premiums year after year after year. So for most people, they probably have enough room in their budget to raise their deductible. 500 is the most common one. So if you can kick that up to 1000 that's going to save you money. But the caveat to that is make sure you have $1,000 in savings because if you don't have that money readily available and then you get into an accident, you're going to be in trouble. You know, one time working on a magazine project, I got a chance to take a uh, a course. It's really kind of geared towards teenage drivers, but it was a it's a safe driving course. But it actually took place on a racetrack, and so we got oh, that's a, that's fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but you know, one thing you you've mentioned is that uh, people have an opportunity to save some money by taking a safe driving course. They may not realize it's actually kind of fun if you take the right one. It is. So this is a great thing, especially for young people who are, you know, they're new behind the wheel. They're just sort of getting getting used to what it's like to be a driver. They are the most risky drivers. They're also going to cost the most. Unfortunately, the parents of teen drivers pay through the nose for those uh, those young drivers. Yeah, I've been there on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so anything that you can do to prove that a young driver or even an older driver, if you're o- over 55 now, they also offer courses for those, uh, quote, seniors. And this is something that gives the insurance company a little confidence in you that you've brushed up on your skills, that you're going to be safer. So I would ask your insurance company if they offer that. And if they do, definitely take advantage of it. Like you said, it can be fun. It could even be online. And those courses online could cost as little as $25. And even if you're a middle-aged driver with a good safety record, if you take one of these courses, it can save you quite a bit of money over the next three years on your car insurance. It really can. And especially if you get a moving violation. So if you get a a traffic ticket of any sort, that's a great time to go get a defensive driving course, because in many cases, that will help erase the points that the moving violation puts on your record. And that's what triggers a rate increase from the insurance company. So one thing that it's been in the news a lot lately with the the near miss of the hurricane and all the flooding in South Carolina is flood insurance. And I covered the Katrina disaster and there was a lot of confusion and a lot of outrage. People had one kind of insurance, but it didn't actually cover flooding. And and there was, you know, there were lawsuits against the insurance companies. What do you recommend for people today in terms of their risk of flooding? And is this a kind of insurance that sometimes people don't have that they should have, or maybe they're paying for it when they don't really need it? Most people don't realize that flooding is never covered by a standard homeowner's or renter's policy. Um, this really takes a lot of people by surprise because they just assume, oh, well, it's, you know, it's water damage. It's going to be covered. Water damage from the sky is covered. So rain or, or you know, wind that blows rain into your home, that is covered. But groundwater or flooding, that is not covered. That's a special type of, of disaster. So it does require flood insurance. It's a completely separate policy. And the most, really the most fascinating thing about floods is that they can happen anywhere. You can even be involved in a flash flood if you're on top of a mountain. So, you know, don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, I don't live on a lake or I don't live at the ocean, so I don't need flood insurance. Most people should consider it. And in a lot of cases, if you're not in a flood zone, flood insurance is very inexpensive. Um, There's a great website too called FloodSmart. It's floodsmart.gov. That will give you a lot more information uh, about where to go to get it. 
Laura, I was down in southern Florida after Hurricane Andrew, actually during Hurricane Andrew as well, and there was a tremendous amount of anger aimed against insurance companies by many homeowners who lost their their places and, and had tremendous property damage. I want to ask you about this. I mean, are most insurers basically fair? I do think they're fair. I think that in a lot of cases, consumers, um, they want to think that the insurance company is responsible for all of their loss. You know, they want to believe that they're just going to be taken care of. And the reality is it's a business and you're buying a policy that has very specific rights and very specific benefits. And if you as a consumer don't understand what those benefits are, you could end up being one of these people that, you know, thinks something is covered and then unfortunately it's not. So it's really up to us as consumers to understand what we're paying for. A lot of people have never looked at their policy, have never talked to agents, and they really don't know, you know, what they're buying. So that's kind of the first step. I'd say it's really education. Is it generally a good idea to speak to an independent insurance agent who represents several different companies so that you get a bit less bias in the advice you're getting? You know, there's really no one right way to buy. Uh, People can buy online. They can go to a local agent. They can call up a a national company. I would say the most important thing is to shop multiple places. So you want to talk to different people, get different rates. Also, look at at how well you, you know, you respect the company. Do you think they're a good brand? Are they going to be there for you when you have a problem? And then do you trust the person? So if you're speaking with a local agent, that relationship with them is really important. So if you get a bad feeling about them, you know, move on. Just go to someone else or or try a different uh, different route. So how do you know you're not buying too much insurance? Yeah, it's a great question. We never want to be overinsured or underinsured. If you're overinsured, you're really just wasting money. And I think from a consumer's perspective, the best way to make sure you're not overinsured is to review all of your policies on an annual basis. And I know that sounds like, oh, so much work. I don't want to do that. It really could be just a quick phone call with an agent or with your company to quickly review your coverage. So it really should change as your life and your... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Assets change. We're speaking with Laura Adams, personal finance expert and also host of Money Girls Quick and Dirty Tips, a pretty darn good podcast. Before we get to discussing life insurance and also health insurance, Laura, I wanted to ask you, why are you into this? What, why do you do what you do? 
Yeah, I have always loved personal finance and money. And it it really wasn't until I went to graduate school and started seeing that there were a lot of very educated people who are struggling with finances. So, you know, you you can be wealthy, you can be smart and still have a hard time managing your finances. And then when I got involved with insurance, it really was about um, educating people on a pretty complex topic. Insurance can be difficult to understand. And I love taking complex topics and just kind of boiling them down and making them really simple. So I'd say that's what drives me. But I've also had some really personal experiences, particularly with life insurance. Um, I had an aunt who uh, her, her husband, my uncle, died at a very young age of cancer. And she was someone who was able to benefit from a life insurance policy for him at a very young age. I also had a good friend who had a husband who died when she had three very young children, all under the age of six. He died in a freak car accident. Um, You know, no one else was involved. And she was suddenly left with three children, a stay-at-home mom, no income. And she was fortunate enough to have a very nice life insurance policy that she didn't even know about. Her husband had taken it out through work. And that policy allowed her to live her life uh, with peace and joy and to be able to raise her children the best way possible instead of having to go out and quickly find a job and, and being frantic and anxious about her future. Laura, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is just how hard life is for low-income people. That sounds really obvious, but all kinds of little problems that for middle-class people are an annoyance are can be real deal-breakers for poor people. You know, you mentioned, okay, of course you want to have a high deductible. I hit a deer recently, and I needed to spend $800 getting the stupid door repaired. But that's an annoyance for me. Um, and for a lower-income person, they might not have it tickets, getting your car towed, all kinds of little problems that for many people aren't a big deal are huge for lower income people. And I think you see a lot of people that don't have bank accounts. And I would imagine a lot of lower income people just skip insurance altogether. Is there any advice you have for people who are struggling to kind of make it from paycheck to paycheck at the low end of the scale? A lot of states do have um, certain agencies or collectives that can help people who are considered either high risk or who really just can't afford insurance. So I would say definitely check out your state's Department of Insurance. They typically have some either funds or a department that can help people get the coverage that they need or even some coverage. A lot of people don't have life insurance because they think that it's way too expensive. But life insurance policies can be cheaper than people think, right? They really can. We actually did a survey about a year ago trying to gauge people's um, kind of their attitudes about life insurance. And this was a huge finding that we saw. People drastically overestimate the cost of term life insurance. So if you're healthy, let's say you're in your 20s, 30s, and you want a policy that's about $250,000, it could literally be less than $200 a year for you. Well, when we ask people about the cost of that type of policy, they all Always said over a thousand dollars. Some even said it would be over two thousand dollars per year. So that can be as little as like fifteen, seventeen dollars a month. Yes, I mean for most people who have dependents who would be hurt financially if they were not around, that's huge peace of mind. Not only for you, but for your entire family. Th- there's some 
pretty interesting numbers on uh, on life insurance. Uh, this is according to a, a Limra study. Limra is a company that deals with life insurance matters. It says 60% of millennials consider their cell phone, internet, and cable payments higher priorities than purchasing <laughs> life insurance. So I, I think a lot of people just don't feel like they need it. It's true. And, you know, if you're single and you don't have any dependents and also you don't have any cosign debt, you probably don't need life insurance. But even if you're young, a, a lot of folks have loans that they've taken out with mom and dad. Maybe mom and dad co-signed for a student loan or even co-signed for a credit card. You need to remember that if you were to die, that co-signer would be 100% responsible for that debt that you leave behind. So, you know, that's something that young people do have to consider, even if they don't have dependents. And their parents have to consider it. That's one of those hidden risks that that I think people tend to not be aware of. Of course, who wants to think about dying before you even get your college loans or your credit card paid off? But it is something to think about. It is a tough subject. A lot of people, don't they, just are really concerned about today and tomorrow. And this is part of that planning for the future that often is, is is a difficult one. It is. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the marshmallow study. This was a really cute study that was done with young kids. And the idea was that they gave children a marshmallow and they said, if you can wait 15 minutes and not eat this marshmallow, we'll give you two marshmallows. And the idea was to see what happens. Could these kids actually delay gratification? And they followed these children into adulthood. And the ones that were able to delay gratification and wait and and get the two marshmallows marshmallows actually have done better with many life skills like education and personal finance. I think there's a lot of research coming out that follows that that study, that the ability to delay gratification is important to so many other successful outcomes in life. The Federal Reserve recently released a report about people's credit scores and how predictive they are for their success in marriage or committed relationship. And something that's pretty surprising is that there is a big tie between credit and insurance. So a lot of people don't know that your credit score, or rather your credit history, plays a really big role in what you have to pay for both auto and home insurance in most states. Okay, so we've looked at the various forms of insurance except for health insurance, which now we have to have. So any thoughts on that? Right. Obamacare, uh, the nickname for the Affordable Care Act, um, it really has changed the game. Um, It has created a, a, a situation where more people have insurance. We've seen the uninsured rate drop about 3% over the past year. So that's great. You're seeing a lot of uh, reports of distress out there with these high deductibles for people who, whose income isn't so high. So if you're making $30,000 a year, you know $5,000 of a deductible before your insurance kicks in is, is a huge portion of your income. If you're making one hundred and fifty, it may not seem like a big deal. It is a huge burden for many, many people. And, you know, the the issue is that there's a tax penalty for, for most people if they do not have coverage. Now, if you are low income, let's say you don't make enough money to file a tax return, or the premium would be in excess of 8% of your income, those are situations where you would be exempt from the penalty. So, you know, I don't think we have a, a perfect situation. I think, you know, we're probably moving in the right direction because more people are being covered. But I, I certainly don't think our health insurance, uh, you know, landscape and marketplace is where it needs to be for the long term. Let's look at solutions, Laura. One of the things I think you said that's really important to underline is that people should look at what their coverage is for all different things. 
right? We've got to make sure we understand what we're paying for in the first place. And that's not always easy to do. These policies are written by attorneys for attorneys. So they're not very easy to read. And so I say, go to your insurance company or agent for help. Just say, can you explain to me what I'm paying for? Tell me in layman's terms what coverage I'm getting. So what are some sources? What are some places, some websites that people can go to to find out more information? There's so much out there. You know, I am a spokesperson for insurancequotes.com. That's a great place for free information and advice. Bankrate.com is another place where you can go for insurance information. You know, also the carriers themselves, the State Farms, Geico's, Progressive's, they've all got great information on their websites. And there's always that question in the back of your head about whether the insurance company is solvent. And there's a way of dealing with that, too, with going to sites like AM Best or the Better Business Bureau. There's a lot of good information out there. You know, certainly most of the big brand name carriers are going to, you know, be there for you when you need them. But in a lot of cases, there may not be insurance available. So Florida is a state that comes to mind. A lot of the big carriers are just not writing homeowners insurance in Florida anymore. And I still own rental property in Florida, so I'm I'm really familiar with this. You have to go to small regional carriers to get coverage in a lot of cases. And so I had to do a lot of research to figure out, okay, are these guys really going to be there when I need them? Even you even you had to do research? I thought oh, you'd do course. all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You've got to, got to do your homework. Laura, it's been great having you on the show. Before you go, tell me a little bit more about your podcast and why you think people should listen to you. Yeah, Money Girl is a show that I've been doing since 2008. It's just crazy how many shows I've done. And I love it. I answer a lot of reader and listener questions, some of them very specific, some of them are very general. And my goal is to make it very dense with information. So to cover a lot of tips and advice in a short period of time, and, you know, really make it something that a consumer can walk away from the show and say, okay, now I know what to do. I'm going to go do, you know, steps one, two, and three, and really put it into action. Because if you have the education, but you never do anything with it, well, it really doesn't benefit you at all. So that's my goal for the show. Great. Well, everybody should listen. And Laura, thank thank you again for joining us here on How Do We Fix It? Thanks for having me. We had a great email this week from Jeff Haslam, who's one of our show listeners, and he wants us to do a show about livable cities. And I think it's a great great topic. There's so much important work going on now in why cities are so vibrant, why economic activity is better in cities, even from an environmental point of view, why maybe people living in livable cities is better for the planet overall. So thanks, Jeff, for suggesting that. And we we are working on doing a show on that in the future. So, Jim, we've managed to do a show on insurance, and we haven't addressed the elephant in the room, which is the enormous amount of controversy over Obamacare. It's still really unpopular with a huge number of people. Right. Well, as someone who was not in favor of Obamacare, um, you know, I think there's good reasons for that. I mean, we needed to do something, no question, that the the old system was was a mess. I mean, the whole point was we have all these uninsured people. Well, the rates dropped from about 13.3% uninsured to 10.4% uninsured. So we dismantled our entire system for that. I couldn't we just have given those people money to buy insurance. 
you know, we're seeing rates go up. We're seeing the, the state-run exchanges collapsing in Oregon and Hawaii and other places. Again, we needed to do something, but I, I'm wondering if um, we've actually done more harm to an already messed up system. I think generally I'm in favor of, of Obamacare. I do think that there are problems that need to be worked out. I think, I think there are too many things that are covered, which has raised uh, the, the rates too much. And I think there's too little attention on the cost of insurance. I agree with right. you on that. I think you know somebody who has a, a motorcycle accident goes to the emergency room and doesn't have coverage, and yet that costs thousands of dollars for taxpayers to cover them, those people should have health insurance. I think everybody ought to have health insurance. It's just going to be a whole lot more expensive, but more people will be covered. That might be a trade-off people want to make. But I think for a lot of individual consumers, it's, it's going to be painful, especially people in the middle. You know, rich people are fine. Poor people will be taken care of with various programs. It's always those people in the middle, the, you know, the lower middle class who get squeezed. Yeah, and there's one area that I think that both critics and supporters of Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act can agree on, and that is we need a better system for insurance forms and yes. sharing of information yeah. because that's yeah. and still it's not, a and mess. It, and it's not an easy system. We should let's do a whole show on this. Okay, um, we'll come back because to it. you know it's not really Laura's main point, but it's there. These are really important issues here. You know, while I was preparing for the show, one of the things I thought about was this wonderful book I read a couple of years ago by Daniel Kahneman, who I believe is the only psychologist who's won the Nobel Prize for economics, and the book is called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. And a lot of that book was about our irrational decisions. We Mm -hmm. think we're way more logical in the way that we make decisions about money and other matters than we really are. Our emotions guide us to a tremendous extent. I talk a lot about the research I'm doing into disasters. And you see that same syndrome coming up again and again. People are alarmingly blind to risks that they're facing, especially when those risks are increasing. You know, I'll, g- I'll give an example. They've developed offshore drilling in relatively shallow water, two, three, four hundred feet. And then over the decades, they moved into vastly deeper water and drilling much, much deeper. But they didn't change the technology as much. They, they got better and the regulations got a little stricter, but neither the regulators nor the drillers really realized how much harder it was to drill in those super deep depths. So when the BP oil spill happened, everybody was like, wow, how did this happen? Well, if you'd looked rationally at the risks you're taking on, you would have realized they'd gone up astronomically, but you didn't change your procedures to the same degree. And the same thing happened with the housing crisis and the collapse of the bubble. I mean, it was very similar in retrospect, but always obvious in retrospect. I mean, this is the black swan, you know, uh, Nicholas Taleb idea that these huge changes, huge, you know, World War One was a black swan. The, the, the um, you know, the, the financial crisis of 2008, most big disasters. You know, the people on that oil rig, they didn't think, hey, our oil rig's probably going to blow up tonight. Let's keep drilling. They thought they were doing their jobs professionally. <laughs> they really did. We can look back and say, what were you guys thinking? But they didn't see it that way. And, and I think that's often an issue in our own, our own personal lives. Yeah, and that's why we did this show is the importance of planning for disasters, planning for stuff that's really horrible and hard to think about, like maybe I'll drop dead tomorrow. Um, those subjects – we yeah. need to, we need to spend some time. Yeah, thinking and it's about. no, it's, and it's not easy. But and I think you know we talk about um, about millennials who I think are often kind of left holding the stick. Baby boomers have 
have rigged the system to their benefit in a lot of cases. Millennials have, you know, huge college debt, lower lower income, you know, a lot of issues that challenge them. So just leaving our show with a couple of solutions, Laura did say it's important to shop around and to speak to other people and do your research on the various websites uh, because with insurance, it's a complicated uh, issue. There is a lot of competition out there. And, and there's a lot of trade-offs. Of- you know, she talked about the seesaw on deductibles. Right. All across the board, there's trade-offs. Of, of how much you spend and how much you get. So anyway, really important. And um, it's like wearing your seatbelt on an airplane. <laughs> Let's hope you don't really need to, but it's still a good idea. <laughs> I have this sinking feeling. Maybe I haven't considered some forms of insurance I ought to. So. I know. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks, Richard. This is How Do We Fix It? Our engineer is Denise Barbarita here at Mono Lisa Studios in beautiful uptown Manhattan. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. Music by Lou Stravinsky. We're produced by Davies Content. We create digital content for companies and nonprofits. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. See you next week.